all hits all the time. We are From up, up inside the warehouse at uh, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access podcast, the first one on our new Orioles account. We have separated the two accounts, so now you know, just get the Orioles, you don't get the Nationals podcast as well. You can subscribe to both if you'd like, but you will only get Orioles podcasts here from now on. Of course, Bobby Blanco and Paul Mancano here with you. And we will be here with you all off-season as well. And the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. So, separate accounts, Bobby. Um, We have to essentially, you've been transferring all of our old podcasts um, to our new account so people can go back and archive and listen to that so that they can totally unsubscribe, if they'd like, to the national side um, and we have them all in one place. Yeah, it's been a good process. I think uh, I think it's something that we've heard. The most common comment we get from fans is that they kind of wish they were separate. And it makes sense. You know, you know, if you like both yeah. teams, listen to both, subscribe to both. But if you just want Orioles or if you, you know, for the national side, you just want nationals, there you go. That way, you know, kind of brought to our attention because obviously during the World Series postseason run uh, for the Nats, we didn't really have time to do Orioles podcast and yeah. we kind of felt bad all the all you wonderful Orioles fans who have subscribed and listened to our podcast uh just getting updates week after week on Nationals and no Orioles stuff so didn't want to keep bothering you with that they are separated um it's also funny you mentioned I'm archiving all the all the old episodes one because we need it for the RSS feed so like mm-hmm. the, I can uh, upload it to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that stuff but it's it's kind of funny looking back at what we were talking about. Like, even the beginning of the 2018 season, we talked about how cold it was for, like, three episodes straight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how it was affecting the, the Orioles play and how they, if they just got to warmer weather, they'd be better. <laughs> yeah. It didn't did. end up didn't end up that being that way. But, um, sure. yeah, so separate accounts. Um, again, thank you for everyone who's listened um, to the original account and who, who stick with us on the Orioles side. And if you enjoy the Nationals content yeah. as well, they'll be there. You know, other stations, other outlets do separate accounts for their – Multiple teams that they cover, it just kind of made sense. Yeah, and and when we started this, I don't know if we we just kind of said let's start a podcast and let's uh, start putting all of our all of our content on there. Yeah, not fully expecting the kind of um, subscriber base and the kind of listenership that we've gotten, which is great. So thank you guys um, for listening as we go along. So. We have some Orioles stuff to talk about as well on this podcast. Um, winter meetings is, what, three weeks away at this Ooh, point? Yeah. Um, out in sunny San Diego. So Good thing we'll be indoors the whole time. Uh, we will be indoors. There is a, a balcony uh, and a patio oh, right, out, right. right near where we are. Yeah. We'll probably go out there for about 30 seconds. Take a deep breath and then go back into the hotel for it. Shout out to Drexel for locking down that spot near the get some fresh air while we're working. Thirteen-hour days in San Diego. It is going to be fun, uh, and it is going to be Mike Elias's second winter meetings as the Orioles GM. But the first one was spent doing completely different things than what he's doing now. Uh, Of course, it was hiring uh, a manager and going about doing that. And we remember that they made, you know, that the reports had broken out that they had hired Brandon Hyde. Um, Mike Elias went and said, "No, that's not true." 
they ended up hiring him, but there was, you know, a lot of back and forth there as well. So now Michael Elias is going into this winter meetings looking probably more at the player side than um, at the coaching side, but he still has some positions to fill, um, not just on Brandon Hyde's coaching staff, um, where I'm sure he'll assist with that as well, but also uh, they have some development and um, front office positions to fulfill now. And uh, now they have added another position. We heard Michael Elias was going to be um, replacing uh, a lot of the you know, the uh, staff members that left over the past however many months, and they were going to be adding positions as well. Yeah, it's kind of revamping, like we've said. This is going to be a process that's going to take a couple of years, and it's going to take a while, but they've just added some new people in the front office, and um, it's, 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 it's tough because you don't like, and I think the Orioles caught some flack for this at the end of the season, you don't like seeing people lose their jobs, obviously, yeah. but... At the same time, you know, we're doing, the, we're starting from scratch. We're starting over here. We're hitting the reset button. Michael Ass wants his own people, people yeah. he can bring in and trust and talk. And, and, and when they speak up, he can trust their value. I mean, he knew nobody here before when he first came in. So it's, it's, it's been a process of kind of cleaning house is the wrong phrase, but just revamping everything, getting the right people where Michael Elias wants them and that way they can move forward and, and build this organization from the top to the bottom the way he envisions it, um, him and Sigma Dell and, and Brandon Hyde, of course, and um, the Angelos family, um, and try to get this team back on a winning, winning track record. Yeah, so one of the first big positions that they created and they have hired somebody for it was Director of Baseball Development, and they have hired Eve Rosenbaum. Uh, she's a Bethesda native. I believe the news was broken by The Athletic, by the way, uh, and a Harvard graduate. Um, she worked with the Astros, so she does come over from the Astros like Sig Meidel before her and, of course, Mike Elias. Uh, she was the Director of International Scouting since 2017. So um, I, it is another created position that kind of has a vaguer title. Um, I wonder if she's going to get her hand into international uh, signings, but the way that I was kind of reading between the lines and what Rock Kabako of MassInSports.com said this morning, um, she is going to be more focused on building up the major league roster and developing the guys who are here, finding, uncovering the gems like we saw them do last year, whether it be Hans or Alberto, um, you know, or a Richie Martin or one of those guys. It is going to be developing um, the talent that they have that is closer to the major leagues, I believe. Yeah, um, and again, it's it's almost like, you know, you talk about uh, creating a position for it. It's like you're, you're making a mold. For, you're... you're <laughs> You're playing to your player's strengths, yeah. you know? Like, Michael Elias is playing to uh, Eve Rosenbaum's strength, and, and so he's going to create this position for her and bring her in. Uh, I'm reading up on her now. She's only two years older than me, which is insane. Um, <laughs> what and, are you doing with your life, And one to Walt Whitman. I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda. So local product, obviously. Um, she She's familiar with the area. She she might have grown up an Orioles fan, that which is pretty cool. And obviously coming from the Astros and their scouting department, they're one of the best in all of baseball and what they do. And obviously Michael Elias still has ties there. Um, it's just going to be, you know, you talk about coaching trees. It's just going to be another, like, you know, Michael Elias is going to be picking from that Astros tree whenever he gets a chance. You know, if he's able to offer people from that department jobs here um, to help be more like, a forward-thinking organization like mm -hmm. the Astros, like other teams in Major League Baseball. Um, that's what he's going to do and bring people in and create jobs for them so they can be best suited to help this team um, and, and bring in players, like you said, uh, to hope, hopefully help them win sooner rather than later. And way back when Sigma Dell first joined the Astros front office, they created a position for him as well that 
was mocked by some because of the name of it. I believe it was Director of Decision Sciences. Um, and it was, it, it, it turned out to be a massively important position because um, he created this thing called the Nerd Cave. Uh, and they, you know, that is really the birth of this new analytics, not the birth per se, but the development and growth of this new analytics revolution. And they were at the forefront of this. So these new positions and new titles may get stranger than director of baseball development. They may end up, um, you know, sounding like something we have not heard in baseball before. Yeah. Um, but they have a plan and an idea behind all of this stuff. And they're trying out new things, hiring new people. Um, it's nice to see if they're one going with a local and two, adding a woman to the the front office as well, um, and the high she will be the highest yeah. ranking uh, woman in the Orioles front office, which is great to see. Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on that too. Like last season in the general manager search, there were a couple of females that popped up in the candidacy. You know, it's if you're qualified to do the job, doesn't matter if exactly you're a man or a woman, what race, ethnicity, religion, whatever it is, you're you're qualified. And and I'm all for hiring the smartest people out there. Yeah. Hire all the smart people you can. The nerd cave. <laughs> Put them all in one I place. want the biggest nerd cave ever, or whatever Sigma Dell called it, here for the Orioles. Because that just means more information, more analytics, being smarter than everybody else, and advancing this team so they can win ball games. Exactly. Um, and now, you know, another Harvard graduate. They had another uh, Ivy Leaguer to that front office. We could call... Those guys tend to be pretty smart. You could call... And the, gals. And gals. You could call the Mass and Web Studio the Geek Cave, I think, if, uh, you know, at some point. We do geek out on a lot of The Mandalorian, Star Wars. Mandalorian, Ma- excellent. Two, I love it two so episodes much. In. I, you know what? I got tricked because we're recording this podcast. on It's a Wednesday. I thought they were releasing new episodes every Tuesday. It's Friday, so I have Friday. to wait three more days, which is which was a very dis- big disappointment for me um, yesterday. But, anyways, back to the base. Yeah, we oh, I are, do want to wait. Where the geek wait, 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 real quick. Yeah. Baby Yoda, adorable. Uh, well, no spoilers, but adorable. Yeah, no, there, there, there hasn't much been been spoiled yet. I, I think mean, it's like been a week. It's been, been a week. Yeah, if you don't know by now, then you if don't. You haven't care. seen then the you memes don't care. of Baby Yoda, right? If you now. don't, if you don't know by now, you don't care enough. So <laughs> we're not spoiling enough. Um, just the cutest thing ever. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't throw this phrase, uh, this phrase out very often because I, I don't like it. But I couldn't even. You couldn't even? I couldn't even. Yeah, I can't even either. I I need all the Baby Yoda. Um, Adorable. Uh, So uh, Baby Yoda, Eve Rosenbaum, we're touching on all the important things here. Next up uh, on the Orioles kind of news in the past week, Brian Roberts added to the Hall of Fame ballot. A little bit surprising, but of course, the ballot casts a wide net, and they choose the best of those. Brian Roberts, of course, in his season 14 seasons total, 13 with the Orioles, final one with the Yankees, which we will not mention. Hit 276, uh, just 97 homers in his career, uh, 542 career RBIs, 285 stolen bases, a 30.4 baseball reference war, which is not terrible by any stretch. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, yeah. but um, nice to see him got him getting some kind of recognition there. It's, I mean, he was inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can hear him on Mass and Broadcast and the Orioles Radio Network uh, throughout the season. We've had him on Mass and All Access. We've before. had him on Mass and All Access too. Great guest, very insightful. Knows the game. Was a great player, and, and I think a lot of people attribute, especially my age, attribute you know, their young Orioles fandom to Brian Roberts. And you know, it, growing up after Cal Ripken. It was, you know, it's like, all right, then, and, and there were there were bad teams. So it's like, who do you root for? Well, you look to Brian Roberts, uh, Melvin Mora, Miguel Tejada, those types of players, and you latch onto them. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's a baseball Hall of Famer. Definitely deserves to be in this Orioles Hall of Fame. He meant so much to this team, and he, he stuck with them through so many 
tough times. Yeah. Um, would have liked to see him make a, have a couple more winning seasons under his belt here. Uh, but I think this is one of those things. Brian Roberts is one of those players that, like, you know, just to be recognized as the possibility, of, you know, is is an honor enough. Um, I, you know, unfortunately, I don't even think he'll get enough votes to stay on the ballot after this season. But yeah. it, it's still, you know, worthy to mention and and and, and you know, snaps for Brian Roberts because yeah. well deserved, great career, and he played a long time, fourteen yeah. seasons. That's a, that's a long time. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, was was with the Orioles through some lean years, um, like you mentioned, and was kind of, I think, in one of those. Um, he he was kind of seen a little bit as one of those like scrappier guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, a speedster on the bases, just five nine, one hundred and seventy five pounds when he was playing. So, um, and really does not feel like that long ago, and really wasn't that long ago when he retired. His last season um, was in twenty fourteen. So, um, yeah, good to see him getting that kind of recognition. Um, but he is the the lone Oriole member on the ballot this year, um, and it, I think odds are it will probably be his last on the ballot. Yeah, but again, still just a tremendous accomplishment in and of itself. Um, yeah. I, like you, you, you read his stat line, nothing really sticks out to you, but just a solid, solid career throughout um, and deserves recognition for that. Yeah, exactly. He did have 50 stolen bases uh, back in 2007 when he was an all-star. That was pretty impressive. I think one of the years was he an all-star. Uh, 2007 my, and 2005. I think it was five. My fond, one of my fondest memories was when the Orioles had this entire starting infield for the All Star game. That's right. Yeah, with uh, Tejada, Mora, and Roberts. That was that was really fun. Yeah, he hit 314 that year, uh, a 900 OPS, which is pretty impressive. 18 home runs, 73 RBIs, 27 stolen bases. Uh, that was a that was a good year. Yeah, for uh, for Brian Roberts. Um, Solid player. Yeah, solid player, fan, indeed. Fan favorite, and I know we get a lot of comments. Fans love him on the broadcast too, on our broadcasts, yeah. and and on listening on the radio. So he's, he's just a good baseball guy and good person to have yeah. around your organization. Exactly. All right, so let's turn to the future now, uh, because the Orioles have uh, added to their roster as expected. Tonight is the deadline to get their rosters up to forty, if they would so choose. At this point, they are sitting at thirty nine. They added uh, the players that we kind of expected. And before we get into that, preface kind of the idea of why they do this again um, is because they have this deadline of guys that they want to protect um, for the Rule 5 draft, which cam- comes on the last day of winter meetings. Um, and essentially, anybody who is has accrued enough service time, which I believe is five, five years, um, in the, the same organization is eligible for... Uh, the Rule 5 draft. So by putting them on the 40-man the roster, they are protecting them from being taken by other organizations in that Rule 5 draft. And the guys that they added make a whole lot of sense. Yep. Uh, four guys, uh, Ryan Mountcastle, Keegan Aiken, Dean Kramer, and Ryan McKenna. Four guys that uh, had pretty good, all of them really had good seasons uh, in the minor leagues and have a lot of uh, promise ahead of them just have not been able to reach the major leagues yet, but that could change, I think, for all four of those guys in 2020. Yeah, and Ryan Mountcastle right here is, is the cream of the crop. He's the big name on this list. Obviously, at the Orioles minor league player of the year. He was the International League MVP. A fantastic season. There was no way the Orioles were going to let any other team get dibs on him. Um, he is, we expect him maybe even, to, he could possibly break the opening day roster next year. Um 
uh, he he's a corner piece or, or a, a chip that Michael Elias wants to see develop into a, yeah. a, a, a mainstay on this team. You know, he's someone to build around, hopefully for the future. Even though we talk about all the time that he's a guy that Michael Elias inherited, um, not his own picking, but he has shown enough where he deserves to stay. He can be a hopefully a, a, re- a really good major league baseball player down the line, and that. Is coming sooner rather than later, probably uh, yeah. for for um, Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, he hit two three twelve this year with twenty five homers, eighty three RBIs, and uh, we were all. I mean, I was impressed when he came up to Camden Yards um, in the the last home stand of the season when they mm-hmm. gave out those minor league awards. Just a very impressive guy. Um, just the way that he carries himself, um, and you know, obviously they wanted to. The one knock on him. Uh, is his defense, and they wanted to see him improve that. They tried him in a couple defensive, different defensive positions um, last season, tried him in the outfield a little bit, um, tried him at first base. So he could be at, at several different positions. The good news is they have the time to develop him. He's not doesn't need to come in right away. He might crack the open day roster. He might be called up midseason, but he will have time to develop his defense, get better in that area. Um, and clearly, offensively, I think he has enough right now to prove that he is uh, ready for the major leagues. And that's something we've already said about him, that his bat plays. And, and Steve yeah. Molesky, who we've had on the podcast a couple of times, has been adamant about this. Like His bat can play. It's just a matter of getting his defense up to snuff so that he can play every day in the major leagues. You know, he's, he's a guy. He's only 22. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that you don't – obviously, the Orioles are, don't want to rush him. There's – no need, and this is also why we didn't see him get called up in September this past season. There's no need to bring him up if he's not going to play. Yeah. So they want to wait until he's ready to be an everyday major leaguer, can play every day, um, and then he'll be up on the major league roster and hopefully performing and showing that he has improved defensively and and deserves to be up here. Exactly. All right, next up on the list, Keegan Aiken, oldest guy on this list. He's 24 years old. Uh, had a little bit of a disappointing season last year. Six and seven record and a 4.73 ERA, but 10 and a half strikeouts per nine, which is a high number uh, in his first year with the Norfolk Tides. Aiken had an outstanding 2018. He uh, doesn't have exactly the what you might expect from a, a frontline starter in terms of um, his size and his stuff. He doesn't have a blistering fastball by any stretch. He's just a solid pitcher. The 4.73 ERA this year, um, I think, kind of shows that he was adjusting to that level of play. You hope you'll see a little bit uh, lower of an ERA in 2020. Uh, uh, but I think scouts are still kind of high on the, uh, you know, he may never be a frontline starter by any stretch. Um, he may uh, may never be a starter, um, I, but I could see him being maybe a four, fourth or fifth starter in a rotation, maybe even a third, um, eventually when he gets called up. Yeah, we've talked about the, the pitching depth in this organization. That's been something that they've struggled for the past couple of years. Now they have some top talents, and Keegan Aiken definitely falls in that category. Um, Rockabaco mentions in his article that, you know, his uh, 61 walks were a reason why we didn't see him last year, but yeah. we'll probably end up seeing him at some point next summer. Yeah. Um, if if he can kind of get his command down, limit the walks, you know, I don't know how his velocity plays up here yet, but you mentioned he's 24, you said? 24. So yeah. guy, that could come with age and, 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 and obviously development. Um, it's just, uh, to me, with all these pitchers, for the Orioles, it's it's you know we kind of need to see where they're at. Like for Mountcastle, we talked about there's no rush for Mountcastle, but for these pitchers, 
we, we talked about in our end of season podcast, you know, who do the outside of John Means, who do the Orioles and Dylan Bundy, I guess, but who do the Orioles really have that they can count on? Right. You know, they need to see what they have in, in terms of this minor league system. Um or and, and so they know should we go trade for other pitching prospects? Should we focus should we emphasize pitching in the draft coming yeah. up, whatever that may be. So yeah, it's it's they don't want they they like what they have in Aiken, but they they're also waiting for them to take maybe that next step yeah. to be available for the for the big league roster. And considering the enormous steps we saw taken by other Orioles pitching yeah. prospects, it's it's less important kind of that he develops into, you know, a great pitcher or uh, an above average major league pitcher because they have guys waiting in the wings named DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, and they have another guy uh, in Dean Kramer who is waiting in the wings as well. 23 years old. Um, he bounced around this year. Of course, he was in uh, spring training camp with the Orioles, um, had an oblique injury, I believe, at that point. Um, spent a little bit of time with Frederick, but mostly between Bowie and Norfolk. Uh, had his best statistics when he was in Bowie. Struggled a little bit in his first action of AAA, but overall in the season, 9-6 and six record, a 3.72 ERA and 9.7 strikeouts per nine. Norfolk only made those four starts, but he was uh, had an 8.84 ERAs where he struggled. But he did get some action in the Arizona Fall League. Yeah, uh, had a 2.37 ERA in six games there. So uh, I think the you know one of the guys who was brought back in the midseason trades last year in 2018, um, and somebody who still has a very high ceiling in Dean Kramer. Yeah, he was involved. He was a piece in that Manny Machado deal with the with the Dodgers. Um, so his Dora's book on him isn't as long as some of these other guys. So he's definitely shown some prospect. The fact that he was able to, re- I mean, they felt that they were they could give him a shot at AAA is promising. He obviously didn't succeed very well, as you mentioned, but he he made it there. And then the fact that he also bounced back in the Arizona Vol League and put up some solid numbers, however brief that that league and that time you spend in Arizona is. Yeah. So again, it's another. They're kind of waiting to see what they have in him. Shorter book. He's only been here for a year and a half. Um, and you mentioned the other prospects they have. They're really trying to figure out this 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 pitching depth that they have because again, I th- I feel like, really feel like this is something that this organization has lacked for for, for a long time now. Um, and they're gonna try. I, I believe Michael Lass is gonna try start valuing younger pitching um, more than we've ever seen in in this team. So he he. Wants to protect him, knows he has good stuff, but can he also make that leap as well? That's what they're going to be looking for next season for yeah. some of these young guys. I'm also interested to see how many of these guys, um, maybe not break camp with the team, but get the invite to spring training. Yeah. Um, because we could see, it could be a, an exciting spring in terms of Sarasota guys that, guys that we're never going to, you know, we've never seen at this level before. Yeah. And, we, and it's also a kind of a two way street, too, because, I mean, the minor league camp is, is just down the road in Sarasota and we've seen guys come that way too, you know, yeah. start a minor league and then get the call up to go, oh, you know, come over to the major league camp for a, for a game and see what we have. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's out of necessity, but sometimes it's because they deserve it. So, you know, just because they don't get that invite or just because, you know, they're not with the major league club or, or even other guys we're not going to talk about today who didn't make the 40 man roster yeah. being protected from the rule five draft doesn't mean that they can't show promise when, you know, spring training starts and, Jeez, yeah. a couple, couple months. Yeah, and I remember last year with uh, remember how great Yosniel Diaz looked in spring training camp. And yeah, you, Orioles fans get a taste of what could uh, come down the line as well. All right, the fourth guy that they added is Ryan McKenna, uh, who did not have an outstanding year at the plate. Hit two thirty two 
Um, 321 on base percentage, just nine home runs. Never been known for his pop. Of course, played with double A Bowie. But we got to see him a little bit in the playoffs as well. And the uh, the speed really returned for Ryan McKenna, a guy who uh, can play pretty much all three outfield positions when called upon. Uh, but could, you know, we know we have Austin Hayes now at the big league level in center field. But McKenna um, has shown the speed to play center field. Uh, but in his minor league career, he had had 20 stolen bases in 2017. That number dropped all the way down to nine in 2018. And then uh, this year, 25 stolen bases. So it went it went up, and sh- he showed that speed um, that can help make up for the fact that he has does not have a ton of power. Yeah, uh, every time we went, th- we had the debut a couple of times this season, and every time we went down there, it seemed like Buck Britton was just raving about McKenna. Even though the he, and he kept saying, you know, the numbers don't show it. He's a good ball player, right? And he's having a solid season. The 25 stolen bases obviously is a big number that stand out. You know, it was. Sometimes just a matter of him getting on base. I mean, he had also got, I think, 26 doubles, too. So getting on base, he can do some damage. And then uh, Rakubako in his article mentions that um, a scout from outside the Orioles organization, so meaning that other teams are looking at him, yeah. reference that uh, he can play a big league center field. So probably is smart that they added him to the four-man roster because it looks like he was drawing some attention. He, you know, he wasn't going to slip underneath the radar. Um, so... Orioles were smart to, to lock him up too, or I guess protect him uh, yeah. from this Rule 5 draft because he is a piece, a guy that, you know, they seem to rave. Everyone we talk to throughout the organization seems to rave about Ryan McKenna, yeah. even though the numbers aren't there. He said, it'll come, it'll come. Um, and the fact that he was able to play, where did he play? He played 135 games with Bowie. He's a solid yeah. player, someone they can rely on. And, and we know how well Buck Britton is is um, respected in this organization, how much he, his voice is valued. Um, so the fact that he's got him in his corner, uh, Ryan McKenna could have a bright future um, for those. Yep, so it is Mountcastle, Aiken, Kramer, and McKenna, and we will have Dean Kramer on Mass on All Access, FaceTiming in tomorrow afternoon Yeah, as uh, he gets the news that uh, he's been called up to the, at least added to the 40-man roster. And, of course, it is a 40-man roster, but they have 39 at this point because the Orioles will likely be making a pick, almost definitely be making a pick in the Rule 5 draft. They hold the second overall pick in that Rule 5 draft. It's the same pick, obviously, that they will have uh, in the June draft. Um, But now that these teams, tonight being the deadline, now that these teams are starting to solidify their 40-man rosters around the league, we will be able to have a good idea of who the Orioles might take and who the candidates are for that second uh, rule five. Pick. Yeah, it's funny because we're always for the rule five draft. I feel like we're always preparing for looking at who the orders are going to take as, as opposed to protect. And now we're obviously way more focused on them who they're going to protect than they're going to take. There's only one spot available that could obviously change in terms of non-tender contracts, trade and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, before the, before the winter meetings in the rule five draft on, on the December 12th, I believe it is. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny talking about guys that are protecting the Orioles have prospects that are valued outside of the organization and throughout baseball. So they need, and then, you know, Michael Oss wants to hold on to these guys. He, he's a believer in, in building the farm system and, and having a strong minor league system throughout. Um, and so these are the, you know, probably four of the biggest names that the Orioles have in that system in terms of their prospect list. Um, and he's not gonna let them walk out the door for nothing. Um, and hopefully they're becoming pieces that, impact the major league roster not just this year but in a couple years to come as well we saw richie martin jr got taken in the rule five draft of course number one overall by the orioles uh they took drew jackson or at least traded for drew jackson i believe the, the yeah. phillies had the rights yep. and then traded for him immediately Good um yeah and uh 
Drew Jackson did not stick around with the team. They eventually sold him back uh, for half the price. Of course, it's $100,000 is the original, and then you could sell him back for $50,000, I believe. So with the roster being at 39, they can still change. They can still drop guys off that if they decide to and say they want to go after two guys maybe in the Rule 5 draft um, like they did last year. Um, but this at least gives them the option to make an addition if they would like. Yeah, to. and I expect them to. I've, this yeah. is something. And, and Michael Elias, I guess the only negative is that we, you know, you have to keep him on the, the 40-man, right. the major league roster for that the whole season. But it's basically just you're, be, you're able to take free prospects. So I don't think Michael Elias, they'll do the diligence. And I, I'm so interested. I don't know, like, how Steve Molesky does it. How, how, <laughs> how do you scour? Yeah throughout the major league, all their teams and all their minor league systems and try to narrow down players that they could possibly take. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, he's got to talk to a lot of the Baseball America guys. Obviously, MLBPipeline.com probably have a better idea. So keep an eye on Steve's blog because I'm sure that'll be coming within the cup, next couple of weeks leading up to the winter meetings. Um, but yeah, that, that spot's going to be open. I, I, Orioles take someone every yeah. year. Um, it's a good ending to the winter meeting. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they approach that. And now we know who they protected. And... Um, also, Rock also mentions the people that they are players that they've elected to keep off the 40 man roster heading into the two mm-hmm. big names being uh, Cody Sedlock and um, I just had it right here, uh, Gray Fenter, who uh, ended up having a pretty solid season at Delmarva. Yeah. Um, but Cody Sedlock is probably a big name that Orioles fans will recognize that is off uh, the, the 40 man roster and is available in the Rule 5 draft. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out. A guy who is a first round, p- former first round pick. Yeah. Um, and struggled with injuries a little bit throughout his career. Gray Fenter, um, I understand he pitched in that Del- one of the Delmarva playoff games. Um, I think he has uh, the potential eventually to maybe make his way up, but the fact that he was with Delmarva for the season means you know it would be a heck of a, a jump yeah. for him to make it all the way up to a major league team. That'd be a big risk to, to draft him in the Rule 5 draft and then right. having to have him on the roster for... yeah in the major league roster for a full season. So the Orioles are gambling there and hoping that nobody takes those two guys because I'm, I'm sure they want to hold on to as many guys as possible. Stop talking about him, Bosch. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to... Don't bring gotta, attention to it. Exactly. So that the Steve Molesky's of the world won't... Uh, right. <laughs> of right, other no. teams won't yeah, find yeah. out who they have. Yeah. Um, so, uh, of course, we will have coverage from winter meetings and from the Rule 5 draft. Um, December 12th, is that the date? Yeah, the Thursday of the winter meetings, uh, December 12th, is the date early in the morning, uh, which will actually be more midday East Coast time because it will be like around 8 or 9 o'clock in in San Diego. That's that's like two weeks away. It is. It's it's almost exactly three weeks away, three weeks from tomorrow. Three weeks, okay. Yeah, Yeah. because next week is Thanksgiving. Yeah. The week after that is the first week of December, and then it's when we we leave that Saturday, and then the Rule 5 draft is three weeks from tomorrow. Can we just cocoon ourselves from now until then go into hibernation so we don't have to uh you know we can just sleep save our rest oh i'm really looking forward to i mean if we never really the offseason short enough and then obviously working the world series that made it shorter i'm really looking forward to this thanksgiving break yeah just like uh kind of take like a longer not a full week and just relax because then like i said Right back. We're, we have yeah. a week to prepare for the winter meetings, then we're off. <laughs> I can't wait to be sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner, and, uh, you know, we've just said our prayer, and then I check my phone, and uh, the oars have made a big trade. Oh, so please, no. Can't wait for that. Um, of course, you can follow us uh, on our new platform. Thank you for subscribing here, we hope, uh, the Mass and All Access Podcast, Orioles Edition. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Watch us on the Mass and All Access Facebook page. Watch us on Mass and 
Orioles YouTube account. And of course, give Bobby a follow at Bobby underscore Blanco. Give me a follow at Paul Mancano and at Mass and Orioles on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you can get it. The Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. For Bobby, I'm Paul. We'll see you later.